back right now hallelujah thankful for his love tonight. I believe tonight is a pivotal moment. in the past of putting too much stock in one service. But I've seen one service catapult people into a new place. And I've seen one service and one visitation met with a lack of response and it'd be a damnable moment. And I thank God for what he did Wednesday night and Thursday night, and I know he spoke to us, and I appreciate that. But I am here for tonight. I really felt like Wednesday and Thursday night were just a little extra that the Lord was giving us. I like I came for what I will do my best to deliver to you tonight. And there is a necessity, and I will say this with much boldness, and in the fear of God, there is a necessity from the, from the platform to the very back wall that we hear the word of the Lord and that we heed to it and that we respond to it tonight. Hear what I'm fixing to tell you at 8.18. 8, 
I thank God for everything he's done with this church and with this group of churches. But there's still a lot at stake. There's still a lot at stake. We have not seen our greatest days of revival. God has not fulfilled the totality of His purpose with this body and with this group. It's not a burn over field. We've not reaped the entirety of the field. We thank God for everything He's done here over the years. But we've not even yet scratched the surface of what the Lord wants to do with these churches and with you good people. This is a pivotal moment. I know the Lord has spoken to me. I know the Lord has given me a word. It is imperative. We heed to the word of the Lord and we respond to it tonight. Second Samuel chapter number 20. Thank you for the invitation. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I give honor to your bishop and his wife. These are sweet people and have grown very quickly to respect and love and appreciate them. And um, I give honor to Pastor Urshan and his wife and they're two wonderful boys. To have two good boys like this, I don't know why they would want to stop. I think they ought to just keep going. If you're, if you're throwing good pups, just keep having babies. Hallelujah. But I can't convince them of that. I'm trying, but it's just not working. I don't know. Somebody's not listening. So, uh, Praise God. But... We'll be in prayer about that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Second Samuel chapter number 20. And let's begin reading in the word of the Lord in verse number 9. If you're there, say amen. And Joab said to Amasa, Art thou in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with the right hand to kiss him. Just in case you didn't think we had any strong scripture on men not having beards, that's a strong scripture for a man not to have a beard there. I don't want anybody to grab me and try to kiss me. Hallelujah. <laughs> You got a beard tonight. Uh, hallelujah. Look out. I'm just picking. It's a joke. Hallelujah. But Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. So he smote him therewith in the fifth rib and shed out his bowels to the ground and struck him not again. Joab and his brother pursued after Sheba, verse number 11. And one of Joab's men stood by him and said, He that favoreth Joab, and he that is for David, let him go after Joab. 
And Amasa wallowed in blood in the midst of the highway. When the man saw that all, somebody say all, the people stood still. He removed Amasa out of the highway and into the field and cast a cloth upon him. The reason he did this is he saw that everyone that came by him stood still. When he removed out of the highway, when he was removed out of the highway, all of the people went on after Joab to pursue after Sheba. I want to preach tonight for a little while about dealing with your Amasa. Dealing with your Amasa. I'm going to preach tonight. I feel very strongly, though, that I am not here to sermonize. going to just quickly get right down to where we're living. Let's see it and let's respond. I want you to look at your neighbor. This is this is the phrase that's been going through my mind all day. And I want you to say this to them. There's too much at stake. There's Too much at stake. Put your Bibles down and give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. In January of this year, I went back and began to read back through two of my favorite Old Testament books, First and Second Samuel. In that time of consecration, there were some things of great significance, I believe, that began to surface out of these books that I had never seen before. You may have heard me say it, it seems like I say it a lot, but you better hope your preacher never gets to the place that he quits saying that he's seen something he never seen before. Because if your preacher quits saying that, if you quit saying that, you've quit reading the Bible. <laughs> because it's alive. And it, 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 it's, it's so amazing to me how that no matter how many times you've read a passage of Scripture, that just at the right time something will leap from the pages that you've never seen before. And this particular story was one in all of the years 
that I have been preaching, and I'm sure there has, but I don't know that I've even ever, ever heard anybody preach from this story. Um, I had read it before, but really I never paid a whole lot of attention to it. I, I think, or I believe very strongly, rather, that the key to Revelation is taking these stories and applying them to us. We must see ourselves through these stories. The, we must apply them to where we are living. And so tonight, if you will indulge me for a little while, I'm going to, I'm going to parallel. I'm going to place us in this Old Testament story. Stay with me just for a few moments. I will not bore you with all of the history, but I must give you a little bit of foundation for you to understand why what has happened has happened. We are here in our text in the middle of David's reign. You know, most of you, that in the process of all of this, that David had a son by the name of Absalom who rebelled and revolted. He sat in the gate, stood in the gate, and began to try to turn the hearts of the men of David's kingdom. And he was setting himself up in reality for destruction. But in the process of all of this, it would almost seem that for a period of time that his plan was prosperous and that the weapon of revolt was working. For David walks away from his, the comfort of his own home and he walks away from uh, the comfort of his own people and his own bed, walks out of his city with nothing. And he is defiled in every way possible, David is, by his son. His house is defiled. His family is defiled. His, his life is defiled by the reprobate state of this boy by the name of Absalom. In the course of all of this, they began to hunt him. David gives a commandment. He says he must be found and this must be stopped. He said, but I command you that you take him alive. Do not kill him. There is something about the love of a father. There is something about blood. It runs deep and it runs thick. And even though David understood that there would be many repercussions to suffer from this young man's behavior that he did not want him killed. Well, you've got to understand that second in command, or basically second in command, a general that David had learned to lean on very strongly by the name of Joab was very zealous. In fact, Scripture reveals to us that at times he had great desire, but his desire was not disciplined. And he had great loyalty to David. In fact, almost loyalty to a fault because we're reminded in uh, Samuel's uh, discourse with Saul that is not obedience greater than sacrifice. And so Joab, his commander, begins to look 
for Absalom. Um, he comes upon him. And again, I'm leaving out a lot of details. I'm just trying to give you uh, the basics here. They find Absalom, and he has hung himself by his hair in a tree. Normally, um, normally, normally these types of people hang themselves. If we could ever learn that these troublemakers in the church, that God, boy, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm fixing to say, that God is in control and that God keeps accurate record and we keep vengeance from our own hands, it is very important for us to understand that usually they'll take care of their own dooming destiny. We don't have to fight them. We don't have to deal with them. Eventually, they'll hang them on sel- their own selves. In fact, it's pretty amazing that a lot of times they hang them on their own selves by the very thing that they're known for. And Samson was no- or, I'm sorry, Absalom was known for his hair, and that was the very thing that hung him. In fact, a lot of these people are hung literally by the very things that they are known for. Joab finds him hung by his hair. And in disobedience to David, he um, runs the sword through him. Again, I'm leaving out a lot of stuff, but he kills him against the orders of David. He felt justification. He felt like he was doing this out of loyalty, but he disobeyed. He killed him. And um, basically, to give you the, the the short of it, David dismisses him from his position he takes away his title of commander he disciplines him from his disobedience for his for his disobedience Joab argues with David but David is grieving over the death of his son and he will not be reasoned with regardless of the fact that Joab's trying to reason with him and, and, and Absalom's trouble and he deserved to die and he's demoted he's demoted from his position we don't have uh, we don't have a lot of scripture and understanding as to why, but in the process of all of this, one of the men who Absalom had turned his heart uh, against David somewhere, we don't have record of it, but somewhere he comes back in the process of all of this and he repents. He must repent. We know that apparently something happens because This man that had gone with Absalom, his name was Amasa. And somewhere in the process of all of this, apparently he gets his spirit and his attitude right because when David demotes Joab, he puts Amasa in position where Joab was in position. Now knowing this great commander Joab and his fierce zealous ways you answer it for yourself do you think it's settled real well with him no there's much ego involved here and he is more confused and aggravated with his king and his friend and the authority in his life than he's ever been he, he cannot fathom why in the world that he is dismissed and demoted and david is so forgiving to this man who has just ran with absalom And now he has plugged him in his place. David plugs Amasa in Joab's position for one reason. Now follow me. Listen to me. David says, you know what? This rebellion is not going to end because 
Absalom is dead. Somebody is going to rise up and fill the shoes of my son that I am grieving. David, Scripture records, tells his men, this man who fills Absalom's shoes will do more damage to me and my kingdom than Absalom ever did. And he said, we must nip this in the bud. We must deal with this, for lack of better uh, terminology, we must deal with this spirit. We must cut it completely out. It must die. Some way we must deal with this all the way to its roots. Amasa, I want you to take these men and I want you to pursue. Just like David feared there was a man that rose up and filled the position of Absalom and his name was Sheba. Sheba begins to, uh, he begins to heighten. He takes up where Absalom leaves, left, leaves off and, and David sends Amasa and says, I want you to go and I want you to destroy him. Now follow me. We're about there. You got to hear what I'm saying. In the process of all of this, Joab gets news. And even though he's demoted, it's not killed his desire. It's not quenched the fire in him to want to fight. And so Joab gathers him some men and he says, you know what? David didn't tell me to go, but I'm going to go anyways. I'm going to find this man that's trying to destroy my master. And in pursuit of the enemy. Now, here's my first point. And it's very important that you hear what I'm fixing to say. In pursuit of the enemy, we have two different bands of men. We have Joab and his men, and we have Amasa and his men. In pursuit of the adversary, these two men and their bands of men cross paths. That's where our text begins to open up tonight. I want to take a few moments, and I want to deal with something, and I want you to hear me. It is very important, apostolics, that we remember who the enemy is. It is very important that we remember who the adversary is. It's very important that we do not let our egos and our agendas, come on now. It's very important that we don't let jealousy and envy. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you you hear what I'm telling you right now. There is too much blood shed in the church that's not devil blood. There's too much blood shed on the ground in the church that's not demon blood. Are you hearing me? There's too much. Hallelujah. You're not going to fool me tonight. I know flesh in Florida is just like flesh everywhere else I preach. And I'm telling you in 14 years of traveling, I have seen too much blood shed in the grounds and on the grounds of our churches because people lose sight of who the enemy is. The enemy's not the man on the platform. The enemy's not the lady on the keyboard. The enemy's not the person that you're teaching a Sunday school room with. Come on, I want to help you right Right now, God deliver us of a spirit of competition. God deliver us of our egos and our agendas and help us remember there's one adversary and it's not my preacher. It's not my brother. It's not the person who sits in front of me. A 
There's a lot of fighting going on in apostolic, in the apostolic church. But it's a lot of fighting in the wrong direction. And the devil's having an A-day watching us exhaust all of our energy fighting one another. Are you hearing me right now? I want to tell you, you need to get rid of your little cliques and your little issues. He that angers you controls you. You need to forgive that person you go to church with. You need to get rid of that sword. I'm preaching right now. You need to get rid of that sword of vindication that you're welding, waiting on that brother or sister to make a wrong move so you can destroy them. If you're going to swing, let's get together and swing at the devil. If you're going to fight, let's get together and fight hell. God, I feel like preaching right now. You want to fight? Let's fight the devil. You want to swing a sword? Let's swing a sword at hell. Let's quit fighting one another. Let's quit fighting the pulpit. Let's quit. Hallelujah. It's not, it's not time to be jockeying amongst one another for the attention of the pastor. It's not time to be jockeying and browsing, brown nosing amongst one another trying to get closer to the man of God. Wake up, understand. Come on, you need a revelation tonight. You need an understanding. We're on the same team. We're not adversaries. We're not opponents. We're teammates. Hallelujah. Maybe I'm missing it by a million miles. But I'm telling some people right now, get out of your brother's face and get by his side. When you stand in his face, come on, that's an opponent. God didn't call you to stand in your brother's face. He called you to stand next to him. You can't see his warts quite as well if you link arms. Come on, somebody. Clap your hands and give God praise. Shout to him. Come on, I can't hear you. I hear hand clapping, but somebody shout. Shout. Don't stand face to face with your brother. Stand side by side. Mesa was not the enemy, but a man's agenda and his ego got in the way. Hello? A man let his passions, a man let his misunderstandings, a man let his jealousy rage, and a man died because of it. Now, now that that's out there, goes to grab him by the beard and calls him his brother. <laughs> Instead of there being a, a connection, there's a connection, all right. He runs a knife through his fifth rib, Scripture says, and a mesa falls in the middle of the road. Now, 
I'm just going to assume that you are mature enough to shift gears with me right now. We're going to talk, talk about something a little bit different. Let's move from that. And I want you to follow me. A mesa falls in the middle of the road. An obstruction. Somebody say an obstruction. An obstruction follows or falls in the path of progression. Furtherance, forwardness is stopped. A mesa is laying in the middle of the road, bleeding, dying. Wallowing in his blood. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand that the man, as he died laying in the road, and the blood began to run from his nose and his ears, the hard ground began to soak it up. Are you hearing me right now? That it hypnotized these that were in pursuit of the enemy. It stalled these that were in pursuit of the enemy. There was a blockage. There was an issue. Are you hearing me? There is an interference. It has captivated them. Scripture is very clear that it has caused these people to be frozen. Forwardness is frozen. The Bible says that all of the people stood there still, frozen, watching this man die and wallow in a pool of blood. Oh God, I feel like preaching right now. And the longer that they stand there in this trance, as long, the longer that they continued to rubberneck and watch this man wallow and die in the road, the enemy is getting further and further and further away. Isn't it significant? And I'm not here tonight to preach the meaning of a bunch of names, but you know scripturally that names bore significance. Is it not significant to our little thought tonight that Sheba's name literally meant seven or completion? I have watched this. I have watched this. Are you hearing me right now? I have watched completeness. I have watched perfection escape the hands of God's people. Are you hearing me? Because they become under the influence of something that has fallen in the road. Something that has fallen in their path. Brother Marks, what does a Mesa have to do with me? You follow and look up the name of Mesa. Mesa. I'd be glad to show you these things. It literally means an imposed imposed burden. It literally translates something that happens. It wasn't necessarily sent by God. It's called life. Do you understand that Jesus said that offenses will come? Not maybe, not a chance of it. It's inevitable. Offenses are going to come. He said in another place, heresies must 
come. It's interesting to me that when you get into the word heresy, that you find that literally it's dealing with disunion in the family. Heresies, disunion, stuff that breaks out in people's families. I want you to understand everybody in this place at one time or another, you're going to deal with an amasa. You are going to deal with an intrusive situation that falls in the path of your life. Somebody's going to lie on you. My God, I feel like preaching right now. Somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody's going to do you wrong. Somebody's going to cheat you. Everybody in this place is going to deal with some kind of situation that's going to blindside you. All of a sudden, you're going to be walking along one day, be bopping, singing, I got to praise, I got to praise, and I got to get it out. And something's going to come into your life that's going to knock your head off of your shoulders. It's going to knock you to your knees. You're going to be standing there staggering under the influence everybody's going to deal with an amasa everybody's going to deal with an imposter that slides into your life and does you wrong but I'm telling you tonight there's too much at stake God's got too much down around the bend there's too you going to help me preach tonight come on you know I'm preaching truth there's completion there's perfection God's got a purpose for us we can't stand here and live under the trance of what happened two years ago there's people I'm preaching to that are still stalled up by an offense from six months ago you've got life's got to move on you've got to take that man you've got to take that bloody man and drag him out of the road Come on, Bell Glade. I've come to preach to you. God's not finished with us. This is not the end. I know what's happened. I know it's emotional. I know it's painful. I know it's been tumultuous. But at some point, you got to drag it off the road and bury it. At some point, you got to cover it up. At some point, you've got to move it out forever. No, no. No, no, you close your eyes and lift your voice and begin to pray about what I'm preaching right now. Come on, cry out to God. No, no, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Hallelujah. 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 I've seen people, I've seen their personal amazement die, and I've seen them never deal with it. I've seen, come on, 
You don't have to accept this if you don't want to accept it. I know I heard from God. God spoke to me weeks ago before I ever got here and said, you tell those people they better deal with it. I don't care how severe it is. I don't care how bad it hurts. At some point, you've got to let it go. You can't let it anger you anymore. You can't let it control you anymore. You've got to quit letting the bristles come up on your neck. At some point, you've got to grab that sucker by the ankles and say, you've held me up long enough. I'm not living here. I'm not staying here. Come on, you got to make up in your mind. You've taken my joy for the last day. You've taken my peace for the last day. I'm moving you, buddy. I'm moving you, buddy. And I'm going to bury you. The issue is not, is a mesa going to come? The issue is, what are you going to do when he gets there? I've, some, I've seen some people build a house right there. I've seen some people put up a little white picket fence. I'm speaking metaphorically. What do you mean, Brother Marks? I'm saying they don't get it out of their crawl. It still consumes their mind. I'm talking to some people right now that God's trying to show you you hadn't got it all out of your spirit. You can argue with me. We can have a little mind battle if you want. You can stand there and say, well, I've already dealt with that. No, you, you hadn't completely dealt with it. You, you don't have that. You might have, some of you, I may preach to some of you, maybe you got it off the road, but you hadn't covered it up. You keep going, you keep going around the block to look at it again. As long as it comes up and something rises up in you, you hadn't really buried it yet. And until you bury it, In fact, I'm going to tell you what the Holy Ghost told me. You're not going to move on. You're not going to embrace everything God's got for you. This will be the end as long as you stand around and wait for vindication. I've seen some people make up in their mind, I'm building a house right here at this spot in the road until God vindicates me of this imposterous burden that I should have never had to deal with. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have to self-promote. I, I, I'm not here because I don't I have anywhere else to be. But I am telling you, the God, the, the God of heaven is he's speaking to this church prophetically right now, and I hope you're hearing. I've seen people try to raise their kids right there. The longer you let that body lay there, it becomes diseased. And it begins to decompose. And it begins to smell. And what happens is, if you don't deal with that, Amasa, you think Amasa stopped coming? No, no, no. You're not going to deal with one offense in your lifetime. 
you are going to deal with multiple offenses. And what happens is if you don't drag that off and cover it up, they start stacking on top of one another. And I've seen so many people who die right there. They see everything through those lenses. They look at everybody. They look at every situation. They look through those spectacles. If you don't deal with it when it's fresh, you better hear me. You deal with it when it's fresh. It's one long, hard tug. But if you don't deal with it when it's fresh, the vultures are going to show up. And time will begin to eat away at the skin. And it'll turn into a pile of bones. And I'm telling you, the longer you leave it, the harder it is to deal with it when you finally decide to deal with it. Because it's not one pull off the road. You can't get all the bones in one trip. And some people, the reason they never let stuff go that they refused to deal with 10 years ago or 5 years ago is because you think it's hard to deal with it when it's fresh. It's really hard to deal with it when it becomes a pile of bones. Because what happens is You know, a dog comes by and takes one and goes over here. It's moved. A vulture, something moves it. Some kind of scavenger takes it. And if you don't deal with it while it's got flesh on it and it's fresh, you hearing me? What happens is, and you've seen this, both of you, in dealing with people, if you wait years and years and years to deal with this obstruction, It's trip after trip, and you get a pile of bones, and you take it over here, and you throw it in in the field, and you bury it, and you think, okay, I'm okay, and then three months later, another bone. (laughs) When in reality, if you hadn't waited 24 months to deal with it, if you would have dealt with it while there was still flesh on the bones, you would have got it all at one time. Put a lot of prayer on this before I come preach this to you tonight. We got a decision to make. Some of you got a decision to make individually. You know, you know what your amazing is. You, it, it may not be a person; it may be a situation. But not only do we have individual things to deal with, there's some things we got to deal with as a whole. What are we going? What are we going?
and dealing with him, you're a Mesa. Is not having the attitude, well, they can burn in hell for all I care. Not according to the Bible I read. They can just split hell wide open. That's not dealing with it. That's just rolling the bloody body in the road. One nameless man had enough perception to understand that the enemy is going to get away clean up crews first responders in accidents you know what they're taught deal with it safely Get it off of the road and out of sight. You know why? You go run the numbers in Florida of fatalities of people who die rubbernecking, looking at someone else's wreckage. I know you ought to be feeling better. Some of you not feeling better, but you ought to be feeling better. I know I'm feeling better because I've been carrying this for a long time, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting really tickled to get it off of me right now. Don't. Okay, somebody else wrecked. Don't let somebody else's wreck cause you to wreck. And if you're constantly got your head craned over there watching what they're doing, let them wallow. Let them wallow. Cover it up. If they want to wallow, drag them over there and cover them up. Let them wallow around in their blood. I don't want to watch them wallow. Because while I watch them wallow around in their own death, Sheba's getting away. This church has done too many great things there's been too many wonderful things that have happened through this assembly and the church is connected to this one are you hearing me right now and God is not finished but you better hear what I'm preaching to you right now you think you think well it's dead yeah yeah it's dead but the question is have you dealt with it there's too much at stake there's too much that hap- that's, ha- that's happened. There's, there's been too much construction. Senior pastor, there's, there, 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 there's been too many boards, and I'm speaking more physically. I'm speaking spiritually. There's been too, too much of a foundation of the Word of God laid around here. There's, there, there's been too many bricks laid and too many two-by-fours. There's been, there's been too big of a frame placed up around here for this thing to just gather cobwebs and the storehouse not to be filled. Come on. we got to deal with the obstruction. Whatever you have to do, you got to get it out of your spirit. You can't keep letting that preoccupy you. You gotta break the trance. You're in a trance. You gotta break the trance and say, I'm gonna get beyond this. I'm going on. Come on, somebody needs to make up in your mind. Me and Jesus are gonna move on down the road. There's a revival around the corner. Come on. There's a miracle around the corner. There's a harvest up around the corner. I gotta get past the bloodbath. 
God said, you go tell them. There's been too much construction. And there's too much left that I want to do. For them to stall here. I went through about, I'll just say months, of dealing with wanting to kill that man who, with his words, that man and wife who had, I told you about the other night that had wounded my wife. I wanted to kill him. I'm not violent by nature. It was an obstruction. I fasted, I prayed, I knew I had to get it out of my spirit. I tugged, trying to get that thing out of the road, get it covered up. I knew I finally got it out of the road, and I knew I finally got it covered up. One day I was praying, and I heard myself, and it's just, it's the help of the Holy Ghost. It's not Cody Marks, it's the help of the Holy Ghost. But I heard myself praying. This is what I heard myself praying. God! If you choose to judge him, I refuse to stand and testify against him. And I started hearing myself pray that and I began to weep because I knew I was finally free of it. I had finally got it completely out of the road and covered up. That with another little situation. And I found that it's, a pos- it's possible to forgive the offense and not forgive the offender. Is this on? It's possible to forgive the actions of the man and still not forgive the man. You plug it in, whoever, who, whatever it is. A dad, a mom, an uncle, an aunt, a preacher, a brother, a boss. Everybody's going to deal with an amasa and an imposed burden, an imposterous situation that comes into your life and dies. You're going to deal with it, or, or you're going to have it. You may not deal with it, but it's going to happen. I've seen people travel and travel and travel and travel and travel and travel and all of a sudden and God wasn't finished. You're not going to tell me it. In his late 30s, seeing blinded eyes opening, limbs growing back. And I'm not talking about just stretch stories. He's telling, I'm telling you, I've been in some of the services where they ha- where it happened. 
You're not going to tell me at 39 years old, 40 years old, that God was done with that man. I'm sorry, I don't believe that. You don't even believe this message tonight. You don't even preach truth anymore. You're not going to, I'm sorry, I don't believe God was done with that man that early. But when he started apostatizing and started heading that direction, I called him. We had a long conversation about it. You know what it was? He was offended. That's the way someone had treated his father. And that had festered and boiled in his spirit. Until it ate away at everything. It was an amazing. And instead of him dealing with that, forgiving that, boy, we're hanging from the chandeliers right now, aren't we? This is the kind of stuff that's going to save us, so. This right here is going to save us. This is going to keep us straight after we get through jumping and our feet hit the ground. Was that the end of his road? It was the end of his road because he refused to deal with his personal amazement. They say, oh, he just, he's always been money. I've heard them say it. I sit at tables with preachers and heard them lash and just dash and cut the guy to pieces. Oh, he's hit. And, I've, and I've told him, no, 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 let me correct you guys. There was a day he believed this message. He let something get in his crawl. Something died in his, in his path. And instead of dragging it off and covering it up, he started sleeping with it. You start sleeping with that stuff, you'll start smelling like it. You pick it up. You grab it by its ankles. And you drag it off the road. And you cover it up. And you say... That is not going to control my peace. That is not going to control my joy. Because what happens is, one of the signs, (laughs) one of the signs I know something's not out of my spirit, I'll know when I'm starting to get it off the road and covered it up, when my gentleness and my slowness to anger starts coming back. I'm I'm smart enough to know me to identify when I'm still being hit it. Snippy, quick to get angry, edgy. I I know it's not all out of there. Oh, it's quiet in here right now. I know it's not all out of there. Great peace. Great peace. Have they which love thy law. And what? So when I'm edgy, snippy, hard to get along with, grouchy, 
Scrooge doesn't just show up at Christmas time. I get, I'm easy to live with when I'm at peace, but I'm hard to live with when I won't deal with that. I'm going to tell you something right now that I, I don't know if I've ever done this, and it's, it's humiliating, but I, I guess God will just humiliate us to try to help some people. It's absolutely humiliating. My wife was going through some emotional stuff. It's been a while back, and I, was, I wasn't fussing at her about it. I was fussing with God about it, and I was, it was driving me nuts. And there was it was some mental there was some mental things that she was wrestling with, and I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm I'm fussing at God about it, because I knew where its origins was. It was another little amaze. It was another little situation. And finally, the Lord rose up, and said, "You know the reason she's, the reason she's emotionally and mentally still battling that, is not because she hasn't let it go. It's because you haven't let it go." And she's suffering emotionally and mentally because you won't. She, and I'm telling the Lord spoke. And I had to go apologize to her. God said she's already let him go. She's already dealt with it. But because you won't deal with it, you're putting your wife through hell. I've seen it vice versa. I've seen this in homes. I've seen this in marriages. The other partner affected by something somebody else won't deal with. don't have to be around somebody long to know if there's if they're they're at peace see how quick they get bristled up drag it out of the road bury it and let's go forward. Let's go. God have mercy on them. God love them. God have mercy on them. God love them. God have mercy on them. God love them. But I am not going to be a prisoner. Forgiveness is, has nothing to do with me saying they're right. When you forgive somebody, that's not you need to get off this kick about who's right and who's wrong. Forgiveness is about me or you being free. I've gone to people and forgiven them before, but when, when I felt like they were the one at fault. I wasn't looking for who was right or wrong. I was looking to be free because I didn't want to be bound by their stupid decisions. Yeah, and I said it, stupid. But the fact, the stupid one in the, in the situation is the one who just won't take care of spiritual business. That's who the ignorant one is. Just deal with it. Drag him out of the road. Let's go. Let's go.
I'm going to try it again. Let's go. Let's let 2013 be a year that we start moving again. Come on. Let's let 2013 be a year where we baptize more people than we've baptized in a long. Come on now, I'm preaching to you. Let's let 13 be a year we see more people get the Holy Ghost than we've ever seen get the Holy Ghost. Come on, in spite of a mesa, in spite, in spite of the trouble, in spite of the storm, in spite of the adversary. Come on, come on, in spite of the hornets, let's move a mesa out of the road. Come on, anybody ready? Let's have revival. Let's see God move. Let's fill our churches up. Let's see God bless us. ready to deal with it? You ready to drag it? You ready to cover it up? Anybody ready to go forward? What's God got for us? What's the next 12 months hold? Who's going to pray through? What family members going to get the Holy Ghost? What backsliders coming home? Who are we going to reach? What's God going to give us? What, what are we going to see? Come on, anybody like to see the blinded eyes open? Anybody like to see the lame man walk? Anybody like to see a hundred soul revival? It, Let's move it. Let's deal with it. Let's cover it up. Let's let it die. I want you to throw your hands in the air. I want you to lift your voice. And I want you to begin to deal with business. Do business right now. I want you to do business right now. You babies back up if you would. Just back up. I, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't want you to come down here and mealy mouth around. I'm not looking for mealy mouthing around tonight. I don't want you to come down here and cry in your beer. I'm not looking for tear in the beer tonight. I'm looking for somebody that's ready to take care of business. I'm looking for somebody that says, I've been stalled up here long enough. What's done's done. The only thing I can, the only thing I can do anything about is the future. I'm going to let the... Pressing, putting those things behind me and pressing towards the call. Come on. Pressing, putting those things. Boy, I feel something starting to well up in here right now. Pressing. What's the most important thing in all the world, Brother Urshan? It's what we're pressing towards. It's the call of God. It's not the Amasa that died. It's not the person who hurt me. It's not the person who abused me. It's not the person who cheated me. The most important thing is the thing we're pressing towards. The high calling. The call. Come on. we got to press towards the calling. I've seen people, I have seen people become consumed with spilt milk to the point that they miss the milk truck. God shows up with a mother load. I don't know if you're used to that vernacular down here. The mother load means a big gahuna. I'm talking about. Yeah. Everything God's got for me. The whole deal. I want my cake and I want to eat it too. 
And they're over here crying over a little milk that's spilled. And the milk truck shows up and leaves. And they're still over here crying over. I'm telling you, quit crying over some stupid spilled milk. God's got bigger things. God's got greater things. What are you doing, Brother Marks? I'm trying to shake some of you out of that trance you're in. Let them run their mouth. Let them tell their lies. Let them do their thing. I'm pressing forward. There's a higher calling. There's a higher calling. Now, I don't want everybody coming down here. We don't have room. I want some draggers. I want some draggers. I want some draggers. I want some men symbolically that'll pull your coat off right now. I want some men to pull your coat. Come on, get you pull your coat off. Come on, you young guys right there in that row, pull that coat off. We going we need some draggers. And we need some people to cover it up. This is not for everybody. This is for people that's tired of sleeping with the stink. You're going to mess with me and I'm going to preach in here before I leave. I said, I'm, I'm looking for some people that's tired of sleeping with the stink. I don't want to live here. I don't want to sleep here. This was a bump in the road. This was not where I was supposed to make my residence. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I need some bona fide braggers. I need somebody said I ain't. I, that's it. I'm done with it. We're going to cover this mess up. Don't come down here if you ain't got anything that doesn't need drag, drug, drag, drug. I'm in Belgrade. I can talk however I want to talk. I'll use double negatives if I want to use double negatives. I'm in Belgrade. If Bishop can say pimp slap, I can use double negatives. All right. Come on. If you want to get, if you want, if you want to put this behind you tonight, I want you to jump out. You know who you are. It's not for everybody. I mean, I, it is for everybody because you're gonna deal with an amazing. Oh, come on now. Come on, ma'am. Come on, single mom. Come on, come on, young person. Come on, come on, preacher. Come on, preacher's wife. Come on, saint of God. You say we're fixing to do some dragging. We say we're fixing to do some covering up. We're fixing to we're fixing to deal with some business right now. I want you to get down here. Get your head up. I want you to lift your voice. I'm moving forward. I'm, I'm going to get victory over this. I'm going to get victory over this. I'm going to get deliverance over this. Cover that thing up. Cover that thing up. Drag it out of the road. Come on, close your eyes and just have yourself a Holy Ghost time. Come on, deal with it, honey. Deal with it, honey. 
serve. I'm not going to be bitter. For victory, I've got the victory. I've got the victory. I've got the Go ahead, I've got the victory. I'm not dying here. I'm not living here. I'm not staying here. Yeah. 